everyone, and welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where we talk to bands you love, talk about concerts, and answer your burning music questions. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, I'm talking to Craig Finn, singer, songwriter, and lead singer for rock band The Hold Steady. I was really excited to catch up with Craig on the eve of the release of his new solo album, A Legacy of Rentals. A Legacy of Rentals is Craig Finn's fifth solo record, and it combines the lyricism you know from his work with The Hold Steady with some really cool musical experimentation and different stuff. It's a lot like The Hold Steady, but just a little bit different, and it's just really exciting material. So we talked all about the record and, of course, caught up about what The Hold Steady is up to, including their tour dates that are coming this year. So check out craigfinn.net for info on his new album and his upcoming tour dates, and then also head to theholdsteady.net for the band's upcoming tour dates, too. I've interviewed Craig countless times over the years, and he's one of my very favorite people to talk to. I love the Hold Steady. I love Craig's solo work. I've absolutely been enjoying A Legacy of Reynolds, and I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation. Real quick, I do want to remind you that you can listen to the Pops and Hisses podcast and find music news, reviews, and interviews at popsandhisses.com. But now it's time to talk to Craig Finn. Let's get into it. So happy release week. Uh, thank you. It's uh, it feels like it's been a long time. I mean, you know, you start re- writing the songs and then you record the songs and then you have to deal with all the vinyl stuff that comes out, you know, yeah. and, with it now. And it's like, you know, it's I, I think we went to um, uh, recording. Um, I think we recorded like a year ago today, really. You know, I think uh, that's that's. Um, that's uh but that's you know that's standard actually yeah everything takes a while yeah but it's always wild when it's something you were done with a year ago (laughs) and now you're like okay people can hear it (laughs) yeah i mean done is done i mean like we recorded i mean i recorded my parts but then there's always like um you know we we there's a fair amount of strings on the record which were added after yeah uh, yeah mixing takes a while and you know schedules on on even backup vocals you know whatever so it drags out over the over the year you know yeah. um but i think we probably i'm trying to think when we had it mixed probably at least by you know the end of last year right on very cool well yeah like i I've, it's funny because every one of these podcasts lately starts with a pandemic story <laughs> <laughs> that's like it impacted yeah. everybody in so many different ways, especially musicians weren't able to tour and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like with your experience was especially informative to what you were writing, what you were doing. Uh, yeah. with, <laughs> what happened? I was re- you know, I was reading about that and uh, you had to move out of your apartment. You had to, I mean, I'm sure you're really worried about your partner. She's a, yeah. a nurse. And then, I mean, at the same time, watching your hometown on the news every night after George Floyd yeah. was killed. So that's just a lot to process when you're also sitting down uh, to write some music. Yeah, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, like the whole thing starts in uh, early March, March 6, 7, 8 of mm-hmm. uh, 2020. The whole Steady played three shows in London and they were like right under the wire. Like, you yeah. know, like, like, and, and London was, I, uh, you know, I don't know if, correctly or not but they were a little behind the u.s so at the time so like the shows went off without a hitch like people were crawling all over each other it was <laughs> great you know and then we went to heathrow to come home and and like the airport was empty it was like one of those movies you know yeah. and i was like uh-oh and uh there was about 35 people on our flight back and uh once we hit 
the ground, you know, that was Monday, whatever the day was, I think Wednesday was the day they started canceling basketball games. And um, so, you know, we were about two days, you know, and, and then on the flight back, I got a text that my good friend, Brian Dilworth had passed away um, unrelated to COVID. So yeah. also there was this kind of like death thing happening. Um, and that, that became a big part of it, honestly, because, uh, because of the uh, pandemic, we, we couldn't gather and, um, you know, have a funeral or a service or something. Right. So there was this kind of hanging thing that was happening, I think, in my mind. Meanwhile, uh, my partner, Angie, who's a nurse, uh, started working directly with COVID patients and I had to move out of the apartment. Um, in that started in April. That started a few weeks later, but um, I went over to my uh, her sister's house um, and lived there for over a month, you know, a month to six weeks. And that's where I started writing these songs. And yeah, and, and then May... Um, George Floyd was murdered and Minneapolis is on the, um, on the news all the time. I'm watching these like, you know, yeah. unauthorized streams where people are like streaming, you know, going into things and I'm seeing people I know, you know, in, in oh, the yeah, right. of it, of course. Um, and, and so the whole thing, you know, it got to me thinking a lot about how we kind of remember people, remember things, you know, remember my friend, Brian, remember this kind of these historical moments, remember a city that's obviously going to be different than it was before. Mm -hmm. um, all these things and how we kind of, you know, this idea of kind of marking our, uh, you know, how you like when you're a kid, you mark your height against the door. <laughs> uh, well, you know, when you get older, you maybe don't start getting taller, but you grow. Um, right. emotionally. So any of these like art, you know, ma making art, putting out an album, writing a book, telling a story, you're kind of marking your, 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 you know, you're notching against that proverbial door. And I think that's kind of like a lot of what this record ended, ended up being. There's a lot of, uh, memorials. There's a lot of, um, you know, even the first song on the record's a eulogy. Um, yeah. and, and I, you know, kind of got into thinking about that. And then I don't want it to be more about like death, 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 but more just like, how do we bring the people we love with us? Yeah. And that, that comes through, um, you've always done this in your writing, but that always comes through to me in the way you find these little details, the way someone looks or the way they say something or, you know, I remember the time you do a good job of explaining not necessarily the actual thing that happened, but how you remember how you remember experiencing that because we went to the bar afterwards or we went right. and, and like those, those are the stories, too. They're almost the memory part of those things. So, yeah, I was noticing that on this record, especially. I think I think that that's part of like writing fiction, honestly, um, you know, is, is getting some of these details right, because you're making up a story on some level but then you're plugging in things that are part of your own human experience to, to sort of round it out and make it believable and make it resonate. Um, I've actually been like working on, I can't, I'm going to launch it in a few weeks, but kind of connected to this record. I've been working on a podcast where I've been talking to different creators. I know about this idea, these ideas of memory. And you know, I was just talking to someone yesterday that I know who's a television writer and writes a lot in genre, fantasy and science fiction, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I was talking to him about it. Like, you know, okay, so you're writing a story about something that can't happen. But at the same time, you're plugging in these details of things that did happen to you. And that's what makes it connect to people, I think, in part ways. Yeah, yeah. Like, I um, I really enjoyed uh, the first song. You just say, you know, <laughs> Rachel did her best, best with the deal she'd been dealt. And that's just such a good line. And it reminded me, that song in particular reminded me about God in Chicago. Yeah. Um, uh, both... You know, you 
talk through and tell the story and so singing it on the, both those songs of course but like those are both songs about grief but they're not songs about grief and being at a funeral and mourning per se as much as about like how you got through your life how you remembered those things how you dealt with them like you know god to chicago taking that trip <laughs> yeah those things out or you know kind of running through your memories of somebody and the things that they did and what how you think of them now that's why I sort of feel like I wanted it to be a hopeful record on some level, or, or at least to try to include some hope rather than, as I said, death, 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 because right. we have to persevere, right? We have to move on. And so it's like, you know, the best honor that you have of your friend who, who went away is to, is to be better yourself and, and, and to try to live in a way that would honor them. And I think that that's what both those songs in some way are, are sort of what, what happens to them? What happens with this, this hole in their lives? How do they move on? and uh, try to make sense of it and try to um, honor, honor their missing friend. Those, both those songs, I mean, God in Chicago very much informs messing with the settings and informs this record too. And, and mm-hmm. um, when we made God in Chicago in 2017, I brought that song in um, to, I, I was trying to make it into a song, a traditional song, you know, I was trying to find a melody and whatever. And Josh Kaufman, the producer was like, hang on, you got something, like, just read that. Um, and, and that put me in touch with something, and I'm certainly not the first person to do spoken word, but it was my first, and even though I am a talky singer, it was the first time I kind of went all the way there. Right. And um, it kind of got me really interested in this moment, right, we're talking and singing, you know, like right on the edge, you know, and there's this part where you kind of just lift off. If you kind of like, you're just flirting with like, your feet are on the ground, your feet are a little off the ground. And um and I think with this record, I really want to explore that. So there's a few more pieces like that, one that starts the album. And I think the cool thing about the, the one thing that we brought in that, that I said, okay, if I'm going to have these talky moments, uh, how can we make them more cinematic? So it's not just like talking, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was really, uh, Josh and I came up with like, well, let's get a string section. And um we got the space bomb um, in in Richmond, Virginia, to add these strings, which was a fourteen piece string section, which feels like you know to me like it makes it feel like Gone with the Wind, like yeah. I'm just talking, telling a story. But you know, all of a sudden there's there's this big big um, cacophony of strings that that makes things feel more cinematic, you know. Yeah, and you did it on uh, a break from the barrage too, with those uh, the refrain coming in with the other singer. Uh, singing yeah. a really cool way to break them up and then you also do you have you're talking about the flirting with that line but you also have this cadence to your voice when you're telling those stories you're not just meandering through them and then we did this like you hit this cadence that really like pulls you through the song on all yeah. those really cool. yeah i mean that's the difference between telling a story and then telling a story with some sort of beat you know and yeah. some sort of purpose <laughs> you know like you're you, you you get into at least some rhythm and it may be deceptive um uh but but it is there is a rhythm and you know even maybe a little melody to it even when there appears to be none yeah yeah um i especially loved listening to this record with the lyric sheet (laughs) because i could just read through each thing because i do this a lot with your songs but i listen to them and enjoy them and then i come back again and like there's a line that pops out that i never saw so listening with the lyric sheet was great like uh, we were talking about memory, but never any horses is just, I mean, it's all about memory. I remember it this way. You remember it that way. And it was so great. But the line that got me was, uh, 
kind of midway through the song you say i admit that's probably possible because there were years there where i was feverish it's just like eh, there's some hazy times in the, in the middle of that <laughs> you might I, be. <laughs> I, i've been like super obsessed with that idea um of and, and going into this record of of people remembering events differently and the way that we you know we build stories on our memory and I think we all admit we rem- we misremember at times, right? right? And so so we build these stories, and oftentimes they're our personal narratives, those stories we tell ourselves. And um, been more and more interested in that idea. And that that song is about two people. You know, one guy is remembering that they, he goes to this party, and there's horses, and there's stables, and there's feasts, and there's servants, and it's fucking amazing. It's like Gatsby, right? And then the next that his his ex-girlfriend says no no we just like went up there and my cousin and gave a shared her pain pain medication with us and then (laughs) we watched a gatsby movie yeah and uh and then you fell into the fish tank like and so he's like oh shit i guess there was never any horses yeah it Um, starts off with that line of like (laughs) no my cousin the cousin's apartment just had a picture with horses <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean and, and 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 it's it's i love those stories um mm-hmm. uh i and i love i love the idea that we that we that these stories are built on memories that that we all admit are are just our best efforts right right yeah i do that with my wife all the time hey remember that time we did this she's like that no that's not how that went and be like yeah it was and then she tells her story and i'm like well probably neither of us are right. <laughs> Some weird combination. Like, yeah. Right. There, I mean, there, yeah, there's a, we used to, in the whole study, we used to listen to this um, audio book, um, Bob Evans, um, the oh, Hollywood producer, mm-hmm. uh, his biography, which he reads, it's a great, I recommend it, but he says something like there's three visions, versions of every story, your version, my version, and the truth. <laughs> and I think that's probably it. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I really enjoyed this record and I was really curious about, you talked about it a little bit, but uh, kind of how you pieced the record together. So you worked with Josh Kaufman again and yep. uh, Trey Pollard, which is cool. Obviously you're comfortable with Josh. You guys have been doing a lot with him for a while, but um, what was that like kind of putting this record together? You came in with songs. You, I mean, you said before, like, I'm not always sure what we're going to do with them or how exactly it's going to come together in the end. Cause there's really interesting instrumentation. There's some electronic stuff and uh, synthesizer stuff and there's those strings and there's just a lot of different things going on. And it's really yeah. cool. Josh and I, uh, obviously we've been made a lot of records now together. And the, the, the first three solo records we made, I almost felt like we're a trilogy. Like I even said, Oh, there's a trilogy. So, you know, then I figured, you know, when we got done with that, I was like, I should probably do something else, you know, like meeting work with someone else or, you know, and then the pandemic comes along and it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be flying around meeting new people right now. So then I called Josh and said, why don't we make a different record? Like, you know, like maybe that's a better, more realistic way to approach this, but how can we make this different? And so we started talking about it. One of the things, you know, the, the, the three records we've made previous really had a lot of horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, we have one song with, with a saxophone, which is kind of, we feel like a thread back to those other three, but you know, the, the strings were a big part of it, but Josh and I can really, um, we can really like what I love about him and what I love about our relationship is we can do a lot of work with the amps off, meaning we can sit there on a couch and be like, all right, are you hearing strings? Yeah, I can hear strings in that song. What about some fretless bass? Like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do that there. And we can like sit there and talk about it and get conceptual with, um, 
which isn't always the case. You know, I think that that's sometimes, you you know, a lot of people need to be like making noise to do that. You need to hear it sometimes. Well, a lot of people need to hear it to be able to do that. So it's cool. You can kind of pull that off the other way. So we, we, we talked about that. And then um, Joe Russo, uh, who's the percussionist, a drummer who we've worked mm-hmm. with a lot. Uh, and, and Mike Libramento, which was a new person to me, Josh knew him and said, I think Libro can do this. I think he's going to be great. He can sing. He can play all these instruments. Let's get him up from Atlanta where he lives. And we just, you know, I and that's always a really cool thing for me. Like I trust Josh. Josh says this guy's good. He's great. And yeah. then, you know, he comes in, I shake it. Actually, I think he came to my house. I shake his hand and we drive up to, uh, to Woodstock or wherever we record at Rhinebeck, New York. And so like, you know, all of a sudden you're recording music with this guy that you met a few <laughs> hours earlier and, uh, and he's amazing, you know? And, and so I think like um, sort of just talking about some of these sounds and some of this like organic versus synthetic um was was is part of it you know obviously the very real beautiful strings which are act, is actually a 14 piece string section not like a keyboard or anything right but then we also have moments where we plug a, a guitar right into the board and it sounds like kind of bad but kind of great you know like like um and and some of these old you know uh maybe antiquated drum machines and things like that, that mixing it together to make something um, that sounds unique. Yeah. There were some really cool sounds on that. And there's, Oh, now I can remember the song. You mentioned the guitar. There's a song where the guitar just kind of cuts in on this solo and it just, that's, I think that's never any horses. Yeah. That's yeah. like, that comes uh, in that, towards the end. Yeah. It's like right in the, right in the end of the board. And it's like kind of a harsh sound, but it's, it's also like really very cool. Yeah. It was really, really cool. So one thing I want to ask about, and I'm sure you've asked about this a lot, but uh, it just triggered a memory while I was thinking about it when I talked to you when Clear Heart, uh, Clear Heart Full Eyes came out. But, you know, you released a record with The Hold Steady last year. You've been playing shows with your band. You've been playing shows with them. But I remember when, uh, around Clear Heart Full Eyes, you and I talked. And at the time, you had said, well, you know, I wanted to make some more music, but, you know, I wanted to try it without The Hold Steady. And kind of the difference between writing songs for one or the other was, like, who I was working with, like, Hold Steady's like Ted comes to me with a guitar riff and it's really cool and work on some stuff. And otherwise, you know, you work with other people, but I kind of wondered how that's evolved or what differences there are when you're writing for yourself or writing with the band. Is he, you know, I mean, it, it, it hasn't, it's fairly the same. I and mean, with the Hold Steady, generally Tad Franz or Steve brings music in and I right. write lyrics to it. So mainly, I mean, that is one difference. I mainly almost always just writing lyrics in the Hold Steady, you know, and I'm writing, to their music, which oftentimes is pretty big, you know, they're big riffs, big guitar right, riffs, yeah. and I'm trying to, so, you know, it tends to uh, push me to make bigger stories, you know, big, bigger things happen. Um, uh, people, you know, get shot, people fall off the roofs. That's a line I say, but that's yeah. true. You know, like big things happen. Hold steady guy, you know, characters make, make mistakes, yeah, you know, sure. they make bad decisions and follow them to their logical conclusion. With the solo stuff, it usually starts with a couple chords for me, you know, with me mm-hmm. at my desk and uh, sketching out these songs, which ended up, which ended up usually being kind of smaller in scope, uh, maybe a little more vulnerable, perhaps um, resembling my own life a little more. Um, I say that, and I realize that um, on this solo record now there is a, like a murder, so uh, I don't do that. But um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, the the it. it, it I think that they end up um, 
a lot of the times on the solo work, a lot of it ends up being about people who are trying to do the right thing, but, but, you know, aren't able to get ahead or keep their head above water. And that's, yeah. I think a huge difference where, cause the whole study people are oftentimes actively misbehaving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, you say the line on, on messing with the settings, but you know, it's, <laughs> it wasn't her, it was the hand she was dealt, you know, she's she yeah. the best she could. And yeah, I was thinking of, I mean, like the, one of the prototypical to me uh, hold steady songs is massive nights. Cause it's just like big parties and like epic stuff and huge yeah. guitar riffs and all this stuff. So it and lends itself to these huge stories. And I like the qu- kind of qu- not quieter, but you know, more uh, zoomed in sort of focus <laughs> on the individual people. Yeah. I mean, I think like at some point I, I, and it might be a sense of age, but you know, I got really interested in people making sure people found dignity and having empathy in these people and um, uh, not always writing people as cartoons um, and, you know, beer swigging cartoons, but, but, you know, real people that, that are struggling uh, and people that are, that are like people I often see or people I know, you know? Right. Well, like break from the barrage was one that is just a very, it's a really great story about this person's day and kind of how they deal with everything and, there's nothing wrong with any of the things they did. The character's not a bad person or anything, but you know, just trying to get through life and the fall asleep in the movie theater, go back to the bar, like just kind of get through the day. And the, that's yeah, it, the kind of quiet dignity of that. As, as a, as a songwriter, there's something like I really love when I stumble on something that's uh that's symmetrical or what is it called? An Ouroboro or the yeah, right. eats its own tail. That's kind of one of those. Cause you know, she ends up at the same place she started and in the same clothes um, too. Yeah. In the same clothes. <laughs> right. So it's, you know, it's, but, but a lot happens in the middle or yeah. a fair amount, you know? And uh, uh, I, I just, there's something about the symmetry of those songs that I really love uh, when I, when I stumble across those. Right. Right. So are you excited to get out and play the, uh, these songs yeah live you doing some yeah. dates this summer right yeah I, I i start in st paul i'm doing st paul and evanston in illinois and Summerfest in milwaukee which is a uh uh always a really fun one i think yeah. that's with the indigo girls and jay farrar so that's a good oh that's awesome good bill and then uh and then we're doing davenport iowa um yeah it's really fun um the cool thing about the solo look i mean hold steady is going to be 20 in um 20, 20 years old next year. So it's wild. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And, and to be honest, maybe the most amazing things Franz came back into the fold in yeah. 2016, which means I'm pretty sure that this lineup of the hold steady is the, the longest, we, the longest lineup we've ever had. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously we don't, you know, we aren't playing 300 shows a year anymore. So, <laughs> you know, it depends how you measure it, but um uh, but that said, like, you know, I think the cool thing about the solo thing is, is to be able to, you know, switch out things a little bit and, and make every little tour a little different because, right. um, I've got five records of material now, but I also can, you know, move bodies around and move instrumentation around and, uh, um, and that kind of like can force these new looks, new angles on the songs, which is exciting to me. Right. Yeah. That can be really fun. Change it up or just tour with five new people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that, I mean, that's kind of the point that, that, that there's, that there can be like that variation and, you know, you could be like, all right, it's a new look. I mean, I think I love, um, I love seeing, um, you know, uh, bands that, that, that sort of change their look, you know, and change, right. change their approach. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so you said, are you guys doing anything hold steady special for 20 years? Maybe not even there yet. That's a year away. Well, <laughs> we are, we're definitely in the planning stages. Yes. Yeah. The plan is to, uh, the plan is to do fun stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> trying to, trying to, uh, trying to figure out what that means, but yes, you will see, there will be shows. There will be, um, uh, you know, we, we're definitely working on new music. Um, Awesome. Uh, yeah, THS twenty is definitely something that is uh, a folder on my computer. Let's say yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah, you've had a busy year between uh, those dates, playing out of the country with the band, and then now the solo record. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, we go to Australia Sunday too for, yeah. with the yeah. Hold Steady. So, yeah. um, so uh, that's that's really. I mean, that, again, that's a twenty twenty reschedule. But that's you know we're, we went to London, we went to Canada, so we're starting to move around internationally. Knock on wood, everyone stays safe and healthy, and we uh, you know we're able to keep doing this because it would be sort of heartbreaking as we start to do it and start to do it successfully. It would be pretty heartbreaking to put that genie back into the bottle. Right? You know? Yeah. See it drop off, man. I'm, I've been loving the record, and uh, thank you. Looking forward to being able to see you guys when I'm you or the band when I'm able. <laughs> All right. Well, hope we'll be around. Some someone will be around. Absolutely. Well, it's good to talk to you again, as always. Yeah, I appreciate good it. Good to see you, Kevin. Take yeah. care, man. Take it Bye. Easy. Thanks so much for listening to my talk with Craig Finn from The Hold Steady. His new album, A Legacy of Rentals, is out now, and you can find it on your favorite streaming platform at your favorite local record store or from Craig's store at CraigFinn.net. Also head to his website to check out tour dates. Or go ahead and check theholdsteady.net for the band's upcoming shows as well. I'd like to ask you a big favor, and that's if you enjoy this podcast, please send it to a friend or share it on social media. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the Pops and Hisses podcast on your favorite podcast app or head to popsandhisses.com, where you can listen to the podcast and find more music news, reviews, and, of course, podcast episodes. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter as at OmahaMusicGuy or follow my page on Facebook by searching for my name. Thank you once again as well to Herd App Media for producing the show. And you can find lots more of our podcasts at herdatmedia.com slash network. H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A Herd App Media production.